0: Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the 9th Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the 9th Avenue Church of Christ.
1: All right. Well, uh, good to have you back. I see as I'm watching here with you on on my phone that several of you have found your way over to YouTube. And, and I appreciate that. I'm glad for that. Um, but... Uh, we we apologize for a little bit of the technical difficulty that we have had yesterday and today. This is not a always a perfect process, uh, but we will be patient and work through it together. So, on on the uh, on the podium up here tonight is a golf ball, and if you were up here with me and and you were to look at this golf ball, it says something very important on it, and I'll tell you what it says here in just a moment. But, uh. Back 11 and a half years ago or so now, uh, Blair and I were dating. Blair and I, uh, our, our dating time was was not very long. We we met each other, and from our, our kind of our first conversation to our engagement uh, was uh, like 90 days, 100 days, something like that. I mean, we six months was our kind of pre-marriage, uh, knowing of each other before we got married, and so we were on one of our very few just actual dates, uh, and we went and played golf together, and I had this big grand idea in my mind that we were going to go play golf, and I was going to show her how great of an athlete I was, and and uh, I learned really quick that even though she had never played golf before, Blair was a much better golfer than I was. She can hit a golf ball as straight down the fairway as anybody I've ever seen. We get to the golf course and she takes the three wood out of my, out of my bag. And she goes, I'm going to play with this one. I'm like, well, like right now, or, you know, she goes, yeah, no, just for the whole, the whole time. I'm just going to play with this one. And so she played with that three wood the whole time. And, and just, I mean, just, after the first two holes, I, I quit keeping score because she was beating me very, very handily, and I decided we could just go have fun on the golf course and play golf. So when we got back from, uh, when I got back, I took her back to the car, got everything loaded up, went and put the cart back up. When I came back, uh, she had taken this golf ball that we had played with that day and written on it says, BF, Blair Foster, loves you forever. And that golf ball has stayed in my office ever since. And I leave it there because it is a constant daily reminder that my wife loves me. And when I look at it, I think back to that infant love that was there and how over the last, uh, you know, 11 and a half years of us knowing each other, how that love has grown from, from its infancy into being a married couple into now being parents in ministry together. Uh, it is just a very special reminder to me of our love. And, and I look at it and it makes me remember that, you know, our love also, it not that I just need a reminder of it, but it reminds me that it needs to be fun and it needs to be spontaneous on occasions. And it's always great. I just love looking at it and remembering those things. You know, sometimes we need that reminder of how wonderful love is. And tonight, we're going to start looking at some text from the book of Colossians. And Colossians very much is a love letter to us about God. As Paul writes to the Church of Colossae, he, he is basically writing this letter that talks about how much God truly loves you, how much Jesus truly loves you, what he did for you, what that means for you, and how you should respond to that. And and I'm looking forward to spending a few weeks breaking down some things from this particular passage, from this particular book together as we're reminded of the love that Jesus has for us. Now, I want us to maybe do, uh, let's lay some quick groundwork so you understand why Paul is writing this letter who is writing it to? The apostle Paul writes this letter to the to the church in Colossae around sixty A.D. and it's a very unique. It's a very unique letter because most of Paul's letters, most of Paul's letters, is he he writes back to places he's been or to people he knows. You know, he had spent a lot of time in Ephesus when he writes the book of Ephesians. He writes two letters to Timothy, uh, who who is actually in Ephesus, but he has this personal relationship. With Timothy. He, he writes to all these different churches that he had kind of helped establish, and as he is kind of going through the, the process of being a missionary for Christ, he continually kind of checks back in with these churches. Well, this church in Colossae is a church that is in present day Turkey, and there's going to be a map that pops up, and you're going to see some arrows pointing to where it is. The, the interesting thing about this particular letter is, is you look at where Colossae is, and I should have put, I should have put another arrow on it, and you look up into the left-hand corner of your map, and you're gonna see, you're gonna see Italy and, and, and Rome, and you're gonna see that Paul is actually in prison in Rome, a thousand miles away, when he writes this letter, and it's written to a group of people that he's never met before. He doesn't know these people. He, he didn't establish this church. We're going to read a little bit later in our study about this guy named Epaphras, and it's uh, widely thought that he is a convert of Pauls that then goes and plants this church back in his hometown. And so this church is flourishing, and all of a sudden these false teachers show up, and they start, they start messing with things. They start teaching new and different types of doctrine. And so Paul writes this letter to encourage these Christians and to kind of give them some clarity on some things. Now, the false teaching that's going on is is kind of a hybrid between what you would call pagan teaching and this legalistic Judaism that Paul deals with all throughout His writings. The Jewish element is that, hey, look, you're gonna have to observe certain holidays or certain foods you can and can't eat, those rituals of the Old Testament that we're very familiar with. But the idea of of this pagan, or as you heard it maybe said, this Gnostic gospel is, is behind the idea that there is a certain type of person, a certain type of knowledge that you have that makes you spiritual, and you've got to worship, you know. Uh, certain spiritual things like angels and and certain spiritual wisdoms. But Paul recognizes all of this, and he comes back and he says, the danger of all of this, the problem with all of this, is that it devalues Jesus. It devalues Jesus. And there's all this focus on all this other stuff, but there's not enough focus on Jesus. And so he writes this letter about the supremacy of Christ and all the great things that Jesus has done. And and I want us to study that because I feel like we're in a time and in a place in our culture and our society where people like to nitpick their, their, their philosophies. They like to take a little of this and a little of that and mix it all together. And what we need to do as Christians is always come back to the most important thing, the most promising thing. The only true right thing is Jesus. And the book of Colossians is a book that brings us back to that point. So I want us to begin this time together. Uh, let's read the first two ch- the first two verses. We're going to look at the first five verses. I don't have a lot to say tonight, but, but a few things that I want to say. Uh, let's read verses 1 and 2 together, okay? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. So they're writing this book together. To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Now, the first idea that I want you to think about with me tonight, and, and I hope that I say it right because I don't have my slides right in front of me, but the first idea is be where you are. Be where you are. And, and let me explain to you why, why I mean by that. So in this first couple of verses, Paul acknowledges a couple of things. He says, I'm writing to God's holy people in Colossae. Okay, so he's, he's talking about their location. And then he says, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. So he's talking, he, he, he talks about being in two different things. He talks about being in a physical location and being in a spiritual relationship With Christ. And I I love this idea because it is so important for us, it is so important for us in our life to be where we are. What I mean by that is to be that light in our city, in our town, in our jobs, in our place. of of wherever we're working out somewhere. That's where we are. So we need to be in that location, but be there for Christ. As we talk about growth, as we talk about evangelism, as we talk about a lot of different things as a church family, one of the most important things that we can do and must do is we have to be relevant in this community. You know, it's, it's great to, to sponsor missionaries overseas. It, it, it's great to support those works. I, I've been a part of, of works like that where I've had to go and I've had to uh, ask for money so that I could go and do mission work in other places. And churches have always been very loving and very receptive to that. But it is vital for us as the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ on Ninth Avenue in Haleville, Alabama to make sure we look in our backyard and we look into our community and we are relevant and we are present and we are helping people and we are serving people and we are loving people, that they know that we are a church that cares for this community. And that doesn't happen by great ministry programs. That doesn't happen by great organizations. That happens by you deciding you are going to be a light wherever you are. That when you go to work, you're going to look for opportunities to share Christ. When you go to the grocery store, you're going to look for opportunities to share Christ. When you go to wherever it is that you go, You look for opportunities to be a light, to share Christ. That doesn't always mean it's going to be a long book, chapter, verse conversation. Sometimes it means just a smile. Sometimes it means just letting someone go in front of you. Sometimes it's in a pleasant conversation with the cashier. It can be a lot of different things. But in a small town, in a small town, people know where you worship. People know where you go to church. And when you let your light shine... It shines bright for our church family. We need to be committed to being where we are in Christ, in this town, making a difference. That all being said, I want you to know that in the coming weeks, we're going to be announcing some opportunities to truly serve in our community. I'm not ready to throw it out there yet. But I want you to be praying about some opportunities that are before us. We're we're in the kind of final phases of putting some final touches on, on a ministry project that's going to involve our entire congregation, and it's going to be a way to let our light shine in this community in a very specific way. And we're all going to be able to be involved in it. And so I want you to be praying about it. And, and maybe next Sunday, I'm, I'm shooting for next Sunday, to be able to announce this and let you know what, what's going on and what we're going to be about. But I want us to be a church that is in Haleville, in Winston County, in Christ, making a difference. That is the key. That is the key to everything that we need to be about. Now, the next thing that I want you to think about is I want us to live a life that is based on some certain things, but let's just pick up in verse 3, okay? Let's pick up in verse 3 and read verses 3 through 6 together. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Probably one of the most famous passages from this particular book. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. So Paul comes in and he says, look, I'm thankful about something. I love what he begins with saying here. He goes, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Paul made it. Paul made it a point that his prayers were going to be full of praise, full of thanks, rather, full of thanks. I'm sure they were full of praise, but we're going to see here that his prayers were full of thanks. When he thought of this church, when he thought of these people, he said, when I think of you, I can't help but thank God. And I hope that when you think about your brothers and sisters here in this church, that you can't help but thank God for the things that they've done for you, for the way that they've blessed you in your life. Listen, it's... This is a great church family, and we should thank God for that. But also, our prayers should always be full of thanks. They should always be full of thanks. You've heard me say it before. I'll say it again. We have a habit of when we pray to ask for a lot of things. I don't know why. It's just what we tend to do. God, please help this person, be with that person, take care of this situation. And I'm not saying that those are bad things. We are to approach God on behalf of other people. Paul talks about that in 1 Timothy, about how we approach God on behalf of other people. And those are important prayers, but sometimes it's at the expense of thanking God for things. What if we were just as specific about thanking God for things as we were for asking God for things? I think our faith would be greater because we would realize how much God is truly working in our lives as we pray and talk to him. And he says, there's something I'm specifically thankful for, and we're going to focus on these things. He says, I'm I'm thankful because I have heard of your faith, your love, and your hope. And that's what I want us to think about for a moment, the importance of us, the idea that in our lives, we live a life that is full of faith, of love, and of hope. Now, Paul says a very similar thing to the church in 1 Thessalonians 1, uh, chapter 1 and verse 3. He says, we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So these are faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Uh, These are words that Paul uses over and over in different places and in different points in his writings But they're not just great sounding words. They have a purpose. And and I think they're very significant. He begins thanking thanking them for their faith. And I believe faith is mentioned first because it is the starting point of everything else in our Christian life. They weren't commended for the commodity of faith, but they were commended for their confidence in Jesus. That trust and confidence, though, had led them to do things. See, faith is not something that just sits there. And I think we teach and preach that a little bit. Faith is is not showing up to the building four times a week. Faith is not turning on Facebook or YouTube. Faith is when you go out and live a certain lifestyle. Faith is when you go out and you share Jesus with other people. When you let your light shine, your faith is the evidence and substance That Christ and God truly exist. And it amazes me that Paul, who is a thousand miles away in a prison, he's heard about their faith. You know, my question for myself and for you do your neighbors know your faith? Paul knew about these people from a thousand miles away. But the people that live a thousand feet from us, do they know about our faith? Do they know how much we trust and love in God? And if they don't, what does that say about our faith? What does that say about how much we truly believe in God if we're not sharing that with the people that live right next door to us in our own neighborhoods? Maybe it's something worth thinking and praying about tonight. Let's keep going, though. The vertical dimension of faith then leads to the horizontal an uh, element of love, and maybe this is this is how we this is how we allow that faith to live. This is how we allow that faith to live. He says the reason that I know you have this great faith is because you love all the saints. You love all the saints, and I want you to get that. This love is not some abstract thing, okay? It's not oh yeah, I love my church family. Oh yeah, they're a great group of people. See them on Sunday morning. It's great to see them one hour a week. Oh, I just love being with them. You know, uh, I mean, h- how much how much love is really shown in sitting in a pew one hour a week as I've said, just looking at the back of someone's head. There's not a lot of love shown in that environment. Love shown outside of these walls most of the time. Love shown at lunch with, with, with friends, love is shown in taking food to someone like so many of you. And I and, and and I appreciate it. And I know the hoods appreciate it too. So many of you have just showered them with food this week as Tanya has been uh, recovering from her surgery and, and from her accident. And I know that they that they appreciate that showing of love. But he says here, he says, I know your law, I know your faith because you love all the saints because you love all the saints, even the ones that are difficult to love. Even the ones that are difficult to love. You know as well as I do, some people are easier to love than others. Some people are just easier to love than others. Some people have a magnetic personality that you just love being around them, you love talking to them, they're easy to communicate with. And then there are some people that are just lumps on the log that they just don't receive love real well. And they don't show it either. But it's important for us to figure out who those people are and figure out how to love them. Figure out how to express And to maybe get through, as we think about, as I think about Blair, Blair and I's time together dating, she'll tell you, and she won't make any bones about it, she'll tell you straight up, when she met me and on our first date, I was not the warm, loving, fuzzy guy that I am now, she'll just tell you he was a jerk, and... And if you don't believe me, text her tonight, call her, ask her, What whatever whatever you want to do. She'll admit to it because she's told me before. But you know what she did? She knew that I was a worthy cause. She knew that there was good there, and she worked to figure out how to pull that love out of me. And in the process, I fell deeply in love with her. There are brothers and sisters that sit in our pews every Sunday, that they're, they're hard to love or at least we think they are because we haven't really put forth the effort to figure out how to love them. And a great showing of our faith is when we learn and figure out how to love even the brothers and sisters, the family that's hard to love. That is the greatest command of all scripture. It's to love, to love those around us, And then he ends up with the idea of faith. Our shared faith and mutual, no, I'm sorry, of hope. Our shared faith and mutual love and our common hope that is stored up for us in heaven. Faith and love spring us from hope because hope is the root, faith is the plant, and love is the fruit. Because God has laid up hope for us in heaven. What he's saying is, look, you've got something to look forward to. You've got some. One of the most difficult things. One of the most difficult things about the last few months is we've had we had like two and a half, three months of quarantine, and and then things kind of opened. We didn't have anything to look forward to, did we? That was difficult, wasn't it? It was difficult to to, to not have anything to look forward to, and then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, one day we put out, hey, on. June the 1st, the first Sunday in June, the first Sunday in June, we're going to open the doors back up and we're coming back to worship. Then all of a sudden, there was this great buzz and great excitement among our church family because there was something to look forward to. And that first Sunday, we had nearly 200 people in this building despite the, the challenges, the, the social distancing, the mask, the every other pew. We, were jam- we almost had to overflow into another room. We were not expecting that. but People were excited because there was something to look forward to. And the same is true in our life. The faith that we have, the love that we show, should grow and grow and grow because we have a confidence, we have an assurance that we've got something worth looking forward to, that that there is an inheritance for us stored up in heaven, that we have eternity with Jesus, and because of that it motivates us and pushes us gives us hope. See, hope's not a wishy-washy thing in scripture. Hope's not I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope uh you know, I, I hope I don't get sick. I hope is an assurance. It's knowing for a fact that I have this promise. I have hope in Jesus. And because of that hope, I'm able to show this great faith through love to other people. God guarantees our salvation. We can take that to the bank. Don't, don't be scared that you're going, to lose your, you're going to lose your inheritance. Listen, if you're faithful unto death, be faithful, live that life, and God's going to give you a crown of life. So listen to the first, first five or six verses here. We're going to, we're going to pretty much pick up in the same place and finish out this section next week. There was just too much to unpack at one time. So I wanted to, to break it down and give you these first few things. But listen, I want to thank you for, for, for bearing with us tonight, for, 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 for joining in with us as we have continued to, to go through this service. I've, I've seen our numbers online tick up here on YouTube and I appreciate that. Uh, if, if you've missed part of it, go back. And watch the beginning of it and and catch up with us so that you kind of know where we are and what we're about now on Sunday nights. Um, I want to end with a word of prayer and then the the lesson and the evening will be yours. God, we thank you. We thank you for the hope that we have in you. We thank you for the ability to just ground ourselves in that and to stand firm in that and allow that to strengthen our faith, and through our faith, allow us to show love to everybody, regardless of who they are. God, our country needs that right now from our churches. It needs us to go out and show the love that comes from following you and help us in our community and in our church family to love. I I, I want you, God, to just bless our church family as we continue to slowly move forward in times of challenge, be with our our elders, be with Danny and Ricky as they are going through the process of looking at names and praying over those names to to install new elders to lead among us. God, I pray for our future. I pray that it is bright. I pray that it is full of growth. I pray that that we become an unstoppable force in this town. This is the place where people want to be because, number one, they find Jesus, they find salvation, and they find love. Help us, God, to be a church that offers that. Be with any of our church family tonight, God, who struggles in any way. I know that we normally offer an invitation, God, but, you know, the invitation is to you. It's to lay our burdens at your feet, and that can happen anywhere. And so, God, if there are those struggling tonight, help them to lay their burdens at your feet and to walk away from those things. God, if there's those that are contemplating that, that, that offer of salvation, help them pick up the phone tonight and to call us and just say, tonight's the night. And allow them to put you on in baptism, God. May that be something that we get to do tonight. I, I just pray, God, that that we get to baptize someone tonight. So so if they're thinking it, convict them, God, and push them to that final step. Thank you for all that you give us. Thank you for Jesus and for his sacrifice that makes all this possible. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Have a great night. There is a God. There is a-
0: If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcast, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Hagleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 10:30 a.m and 6 o'clock p.m with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9:30 and Wednesday evenings at 6:30. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Be sure to join us again and until then remember we are a church of Christ caring for its community.